You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. This week's rugby story is that of a proud Cumbrian who grew up loving sport and the challenges they brought. He began taking rugby serious in his teens and it was Union where he thrived initially and went to Segbird School and managing to represent England rugby age grades. He was spotted by Leeds Rhinos and went on to represent Hull FC, the Royal Butchers, Illawarra Cutters, Workington Town and Dewsbury while playing for Wigton Rugby Football Club and the Classic Lions. Ladies and gents, Mr Ewan Dowes. Follow, like, share, subscribe and endorse us via Facebook, Trot the Eggin, Twitter at Trot the Eggin slash at John Heath, Instagram Trot underscore D underscore Egg underscore in, YouTube Trot the Eggin, LinkedIn John Hetherington and Spotify Trot the Eggin. So have you been Ewan? Been good mate, yeah. Yeah, busy, busy times with work and family and lots of cycling, so yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's all right, You've mate. Young, mate. You've not heard at all, have you? <laughs> oh, I'm, try- I'm trying, mate. I'm try- I've lost a lot of weight, man. I've lost about three stone. A lot, of, a lot. I get a lot of a fair ribbing off my mates there. They're saying that are you are you eating right? Are you healthy? Are you are you ill? I'm like, no, no. I just, I just, yeah, more more output than input nowadays. So that that's the key. <laughs> that's the key. Yeah. Right, mate. So before we get stuck into your rugby story, where was home for you and, and who lived at home with you? Yeah, born, born in Carlisle, so born born a Cumbrian lad, born and bred. Uh, lived in a little village called High Esket. So yeah, li- lived there, grew up there. Went went to primary school it was across the road, and um, we moved to Low Esket, which was just the next village on. Uh, yeah, and then went to a secondary school was a, a school in Dalston, uh, Coldview. So that was a yeah big big state school, um, football playing school. Uh, no, no rugby at all, so that that was kind of, uh, I suppose, my youth youth growing up really. Um, just a country boy from a farming farming background. Half me half my family were, were farmers, dairy farmers, and, and sheep and and, and arable. So um, yeah, that was it really. Yeah. So how did competitiveness be- enter your life? Where did it come from? Good question, because I always. I, I do. I coach myself now down at Ulton Raiders and coaching my lads under under tens team with a few other boys. And you kind of you get to know the kids. I love I love seeing kids develop and 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 grow up and and kind of look at what attributes they've got and what temperament they've got. And I, I always question that. You know, where did where do they get their competitive edge from? And where where did I get mine from? And it yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one. I think I look at my mum and dad and the the both the both both ran their own businesses all their life. So I suppose entrepreneurial driven, uh, they've got to, you know, get out there and, and make it happen with their business. So I think it probably stems stems from them and um spent a lot of time with my granddad as well. My mum's my mum's dad who was, you know, ran a you know multiple farms and he was he was just a grafter mate. He just like, you know, up at four in the morning, he'd milk the cows, he'd be out all day doing his jobs. Maybe have a little snooze and then he's up again doing, doing you know, non-stop farming. You know, farming is just a full-on twenty-four-hour job. Like so, I think probably stems from from those those roots. You know, parents and grandparents. Yeah. Well, to be honest, mate, I'm so. Wait, we'll talk about it a little bit later on, as you know. But the very rugby union based 
round your area, isn't it? And but like you said, footballs are obviously because the system's a lot got a bigger type of pool to pick from, but very much rugby union based up there, mate. Yeah, it was. Do you know what? People always ask me, like, oh, do you remember watching so-and-so in the 80s and the 90s, like rugby league? And I was like, no, because I didn't know, I knew nothing about rugby league, li- literally nothing. It was all, I suppose me growing up as a kid, it was it was football. I, you know, I was a Carlisle United fan. I used to go with my dad and watch Carlisle United. And used to, when I was old enough, I'd go with myself, with, with my mates. And um, yeah, rugby didn't really come into play. I played a little bit of Penrith. Um, as I was about 10, maybe 9, 10, 11 years old, like mini rugby, junior rugby. But yeah, I just... I just love, I love my footy, so cracked on with that. Um, yeah, and there was no, literally no league until, literally, until I moved to to, to Leeds um, as an 18-year-old leaving, they've done my A-levels at school, so um, yeah, funny really. Like you said, the 24-7 work environment, the farm, isn't it? So was that just a natural, would that have been a natural progression without sport? Um, yeah. Probably not. I just thought. I think with farming, it's it's a it's a lifestyle, isn't it? You've got to love it, love live it, and mate, breathe. Yeah. You know, because I I've got friends who are farmers, and, and they're not in it for the the money because you can't you know you can't do that. It, it is literally a lifestyle. I just it probably as much as I like doing it with me with granddad and my uncles and and what have you. It, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't for me, um, and then once I suppose I got more and more into rugby and realised I was, I was all right at it. I think um, I got that 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 vision and focus on. Right, I need to have a good crack at this, really. Right, that's fair enough. So, when did football become like a, your chosen sport, mate? Was it like a Sunday? You train twice in the week and play footy on a Sunday or something? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, yeah just just played well. My dad, my dad played a lot of footy, so he played like Sunday league. Um, we played Saturdays and Sundays, and then there was that crossover point when I was a 13, 14 year old lad. But I was all right at footy, you know, no, no decent level at all. But yeah, I ended up playing in the same team as my dad and 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 playing with the the men, the men's team, which was faster, wasn't it? Which, yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. Absolutely loved it as a young kid. It was it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, but soon realised I was I was I was pretty crap at. Rugby, uh, football rather, and uh, yeah, probably it bugs me if it's on somewhere else. Uh, I played a lot of cricket as well. Actually, I used to love love my cricket. Um, probably, probably more so than 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 my footy. And um, but yeah, that everything had to take a bit of a backward step uh, once once the rugby came in. So, like looking back now, can you see how all them sports and the family's background in farming can all help? With the little intricacies of rugby because you played both courts, haven't you? So you, you know the little movement differences and stuff, won't you? But have you have you seen or felt anything that you might have done playing football or cricket that's helped you? Um, I think learning how to play as a as a as a team, you know, in in a team in that team environment, I suppose the whole dynamics of you know it's not just one person that that makes the team. So I think learning. Through being in different sports, different cultures, different environments, that was that was good. I suppose different, you know, movements and skills and fitness. Um, I suppose it all all combined and ultimately um, made me made me a better player. Probably probably longer term, just trying all those different 
different sports. And, and back to my mum and dad. My mum and dad were really good at that. They never really pushed me into, you know, you see a lot of, lot of parents pushing kids into a certain sport because they want to almost live their life through them a bit. But my mum and dad, you know, they, they were like, right, swimming, football, cricket, tennis. Like, you know, I tried tried so many sports as a as a kid. Um, and then you end up finding, finding your way, which I think is great. I think kids have got to be exposed to more and more. There's that many different sports out there or physical activities. It's 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 great. Some of that I try to do with my my kids now. You know, expose them to different different sports. Definitely at the deep end going swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I do swimming, but but I think it's important. though. swimming's a big one, isn't it? Like you go, oh, it you, is, go where, you go you go on holiday, or you know you see these kids out and about swimming in lakes and rivers and it scares me to death and you just want your kids to be you know strong at swimming so that that's my that's my main uh, just thing behind well, it mate, definitely so I, I know i'm going slightly well well not slightly well ahead of where we are but you know when you're, you're on these like the cycling and that so how do you take yourself away from the team environment and self-motivate because you're not always on the road in a in a gang, so to say, I you'll be doing it on your own as well. Yeah, it's good good question. I think when I finished playing rugby, I've always had that. I've always needed something to focus on and and train towards. I think it's really hard when you finish and you've got no almost no angle. Like so, I suppose when I finished playing, I was I got into. Um, I got into the gym massively. I, I mean, I, I was at, at the gym anyway, but I just thought I want to see how like good a shape and how big and strong I can get. So I just hammered the gym for for a good year or so and got, you know, goodness me, I got like 115 kgs. I was lifting more than I'd ever lifted in my professional rugby career. And and that was great. But then I got a little bit bored of that. And then I got into into rowing. So I got in, you know, the indoor rowing um yeah. on the concept too. So I I found a like a two thousand meter training program that this ex Olympic uh, rower, like you could buy it. Uh, so I bought it and I thought, right, I'll just follow this. There was, um, what was it? It was the English Rowing Championships at the Velodrome in Manchester. I thought, right, that's in three or four months' time. Let, let's give it a crack. So I was always good at rowing when I when I played rugby. I thought, right, let's give it. So I trained, trained my socks off for that. Um, entered that and finished, ended up finishing sixth in the, in the English Champs. So I was like, right, that's good. Um, right. I'm done. I'm done with that now. <laughs> and then I found, um, yeah, I found cycling. It was it was through um, like Wayne Godwin and joining Jack through that that charity. They had the first joining Jack 50 mile Wigan Wigan bike ride and jumped on that. I've got a picture of me, mate. I was I was 17 and a bit done, and I was big big muscly thing, and uh, I looked just looked out of place on a bike. Um, but I fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with it, and. I got the chance to do the the Steve Prescott um, race across Europe with the likes of Gaz Ellis and Steve Hall and Steve Hampton, and and did that. And that's when I did fall in love with it. You know, we did did the race across Europe, eight of us, um, below the current the world record on that, and that was just mega. You know, six days of cycling, uh, racing through the, you know. France, the Al- Austrian Alps, through Germany, through Slovenia. It's unbelievable. And then from that, I've just, you know, seriously dedicated myself. Started racing about two years ago. So I do a lot of road racing, criterium racing. And um, 
it's class because I, I treat it as though it's my. I'm a. I'm. I'm. A, I'm nowhere near a pro cyclist, by the way. But I love it. I've got a coach because I think you need a bit of accountability. So I've got a coach, someone that I don't want to let down. So that drives me to train, to train hard because uh, it's hard to train on your own and and have that structure and focus. So, so yeah, that's me, mate. With it, with it, with a coach. I love. I just want to get better and better at, at racing at the minute. And cycling's one of those sports that. You know, the next, my coach says it, the next 10 years, you'll be, if you keep continuing and be consistent, you'll be a better cyclist than you are now. So that, that's great. 42, but I'll take that. 52, if I'm better than I am now, that's, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, because, mate, it's like, you'll know you've played a much, much better standard than me, but the fundamentals of being on your arse under your own sticks and not really knowing where the next, like, positive player is going to come from. I can't imagine feeling like that on my own because you can big yourself up so much, mate, can't you? But yeah. sometimes it's just nice to have a couple around you that'll go within an all right spot, like yeah. Jekyll and Hyde in it. Yeah, it is. It my coach is good for that, and we've got there's a we've got a group called the Mixed Ability Cycling Club, and it is mixed ability. It's like from decent to you know. I'm going to throw him under the bus here, but Wayne Godwin, who's, he's, he's, you know, the only man that's um, slower going downhill than he is going uphill is, is, is terrible. So, but he loves it and we get out and we, we have a, you know, me, Gaz Carvel, Gaz Ellis has just joined, um, Tim Spears, there's, there's quite a few ex-rugby lads and we, you know, we try and get out um, on a, on a weekend only for a few hours, but we'll go out, we'll have a good crap, good banter, Tell a few stories, get a coffee, and it's 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 good. It's good crack, and it keeps us off our knees and bad backs and all that carry on. But but yes, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it it's, it's just that environment. Just that environment that you said in it. Just similar fellas with similar goals that have yeah. done similar things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and you miss that. that. That that that's the biggest thing with when you finish playing. I don't miss playing at all. Not not in the slightest. But you miss that that banter and camaraderie and and. You know, like you say, just having people with that that common goal with with you, and you can align to it, and and yeah, yeah, share some good 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 stories, and um, yeah, try and hit some goals together, really. Right, mate. So when you went into high school, then with with the football back, that was the transition into high school. Um, but there's a couple of stages for me. So I went went into high school, and it was, I was. I was one of the classic, um, you look back at my old school reports and it was the, the classic underachiever of, you know, if you weren't focused like he did in his sport, it, it'd be really good. <laughs> well, just like, I was, you know, as a young kid, I wasn't interested in that. I, I, I loved my footy, I loved my cricket. I, I was, you know, I wasn't even starting to play rugby then. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny really because you look back at certain moments in your life, don't you? And there's probably probably certain you know almost sliding door moments when you if i if i'd gone one way i might i might have taken the wrong path and not ended up anywhere near rugby and might have fallen into the wrong crowd and there was always yeah. potential of like that with the school i was i was going to um you know you look at you look at some of the lads that um i knocked about with then and you just think bloody hell i could have been you know they went down the wrong path and that that could have been me so um but again, I just think, you know, I, I was grounded. I, I had good parents that they looked after me, they kept me on the 
straight and narrow. And that's where I suppose later on when I was 13, 14, I started playing at, at Carlisle. One of the lads that, that called you, his dad coached at Carlisle Rugby Union. Um, he said, you get yourself down there. You know, you're a, you're a big lad. Um, or was then, not anymore. And, and yeah, get yourself down. So I did. I just went down with him, one of my mates, and started playing and, and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And that, that was me around about the 14, you know, 13, 14, 14 probably. Um, and that's when the rugby rugby journey began properly. So he promised you'd have free parking chair in a car park if you want another run out today. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you know what makes something like the last few years when they when you've had the floods up there and They've been decimated, haven't they? Like football and the rugby, because it for viewers and listeners, it literally is just a car park separating the stadium and Tyler. Like it's like a sports centre sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, it is. Yeah, just on Warwick Road. Yeah, Brunton Park and the rugby club the next door to each other, so they just got yeah they got got hammered a few times actually over the last you know ten or so years. No longer, I, I always lose track because there's a couple of occasions it's flooded, hasn't it? So. Um, like sometimes you don't even see the crossbar, do you? It's that bad, nah, and it's a great nah, nah. setup there as well. Yeah, it is. It is. So, so when you rock up, then mate, and how do you take it to it? Is it something you enjoyed straight away? Did you have to? It was it? Did it grow on you more than an instant love? Like, God, I straight away, mate. Really, I was, I was a bit of an. I suppose. I loved the the rough and tumble and the aggression, and 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 it suited me down to the ground. You know, I was. You know, I was a confident lad at school, and 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 because physically I was, I, I was up there. I, I was able to make that make that count, I suppose, pretty quickly. So, so yeah, I soon um, realised that I could do a bit of damage. So that was that was great. That's always good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it helps, done it. Does help if you can do it. So yeah. going from the previous sports you've been involved in, sorry, mate, was was football and cricket clicky? Or was it very open? Um, I think cr- cricket. I I love cricket because it was, um, you know, one of the local villages, proper like family, you know, day out. There was the junior cricket. Um, started to play a bit of this for the senior cricket team. So it was good, mate. Good day out, you know, with with um, just nice and relaxed. And then, but he. Hard to remember footy because I think it's very different to what it is now. Because my lad plays footy as well, and um, I, I often compare football to to rugby. Um, and and I think the the thing is with football, I think the expectations are so high as a young kid um, from four year old upwards. You know, you've got parents and coaches, and you know, talking about academies, and I I just don't really agree with that. I, I think it's too early and too soon to. To push them, I think naturally, if they're good enough and they've got the drive, they'll they'll get there in the end. I think that's where rugby's rugby's good like that. They don't even start looking at, at kids until I suppose early. Well, they can't anyway legally. I don't think until early early teens like can they? So 13, 14, yeah, yeah. So, so that I dynamic's very very different. Yeah. No, sorry to interrupt, mate. I watched the. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Crystal Palace had a documentary on Channel Four, didn't they? All right, no, I haven't said it, no, no. Yeah, about the academies, and it literally started at, like, eight, and they might be telling kids at nine, we're letting you go, you're not good enough at nine. It's a mad, mate. And then, do you know what? I've, I've um, You might not have known, but I was, I'm was i in a 
an associate of Switch to Play, which is an athlete transition company. And I know they're looking at that um, grassroots uh, football, especially where they're in the system, you know, from four, five-year-old, maybe up to 13, 14. And so many are just spat out and they're a, they're a commodity at the end of the day. You know, it's a business. They're not, they're not looked after. And um, yeah, it's sad to see, sad to see that, because I know there's a certain age, isn't there, when they can, they can start scouting across Europe and further afield. Yeah. But until then, they, they need the, the English, the British youngsters. So, um, yeah, it's brutal. It's a brutal um, sport, actually. The one thing Palace do do is they do help with that transition, which is great what you're involved with. But they, they do that as well. So as much as they might be releasing kids at night, that's easily recoverable. It's an heartbreak for the kid because you think the world's over, don't you? But when you like, you're 19 and you're 20s, if they're still behind you helping you with education or even into like non-league, at least there's a, a pathway instead of just spitting you out and leaving you to do whatever. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. Yeah. That that's one of our beliefs. Is both with the with switch the play. It's it's about you know making sure the athletes are prepared, and that's through education, uh, emotional resilience, all the things that. Will make you a better person as well because we think you know better people make better players and better athletes. If, if the more prepared you are, it takes one less stress away. If you're, I suppose, if you're focusing on you know what you want to do when when sports not there anymore, it, it kind of takes that worry away because a lot of people leave it till last minute. Um, because I was one of them in in a way that, uh, and then it, it's very late to make that transition and adjustment. It takes a lot longer to do. Yeah, you'd, you'd like to think, though, because of your longevity in the game, mate, that, that I'm not saying a job for the boys, but I'm saying there's a there's a right earn to maybe get a pathway into, if you wanted to, a culture, didn't there? But when you've, when you've done it at 19 and 20, which you're probably on about, you probably think won't happen to me. Like, you need yeah. to fall back, don't you? Oh, ma- massively, yeah, massively. I mean, financially as well, you know, um, you go through your career and you you earn all right money and even these academy lads that are getting spat out they'll they'll be on a you know steady away money I suppose but then yeah. once they get spat out it's like right what I'm going to do to to earn earn a crust and pay my way at home or if they're, if they're renting or living on their own so it's it's a difficult one that yeah no it definitely is mate so where can people find switch to play. Yeah, just look up, just Google them, switch to play foundation. They, they've got charity status um, a few years back and the the great mate, they've got a whole array of um, di- different, I suppose, courses and, and um, pathways you, you can take. And yeah, seriously, look, you know, recommend it for, for current and ex, ex sport people, whatever age. Um, yeah, they're a fant- they've got some fantastic people, you know, behind the scenes, ex, ex, ex athlete. Um, psychologists, the the full lot, the the, the kind of the experts that, that you need for that for that area. Um, yeah, they're cracking. I like bunch. that, mate. Yeah, I like that. So upon leaving school, mate, what what were your options? So when did rugby league become a serious consideration for you? Yeah, so I suppose back to high school um, when I was at Colju in Dalston, I was I just done my A levels and. I was at that point where it kind of, you know, I was playing county rugby union and and 
almost got in the north of England, but that was without any, you know, I wasn't at a rugby union playing school and, um, you know, I was playing for Carlisle, but I was playing like Carlisle um, under 18s and then ended up playing like under 21s. Um, but I thought, I don't know. In high you school? Know what? I always, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I don't know what, what the trigger was, but I think my parents were, were a help as well. And I, I think a few people have said to me, you need to be at a rugby union playing school um, in order to progress, you know, and, and maybe, you know, make it as a pro, uh, you know, that, that, that was the talk at the time. So yeah, I remember we started looking at schools locally. So there was Austin Friars in Carlisle, they played rugby union. There was St. B's um, over there, over on the, on the West coast near Whitehaven. And then there was Sedba. So we all, we visited all of them, uh, me and my mum and dad. And um, yeah, we, Sebu was just next next level. Um, you know what they what they did, the the, the coaching they have, the the kind of offering. Um, obviously a, a a school steeped in history and heritage. You know, Will Carley, ex England, ex England captain, Will Greenwood. Uh, you look at it, and and it it just felt the right the right fit. So I went and did all the the, the testing and and got awarded a scholarship. Otherwise, we'd have never been able to do it. You know, so we got got awarded a scholarship and went went there and went went into private school for two years and boarded. So I went, you know, massive massive change from state school of well over a thousand pupils to, you know, Zebra, uh private school uh, in, in that environment. So yeah, bad, yeah, you know, a, 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 I suppose a, a working class um, kid in into that that that. I suppose, um, yeah, wealth of you know people going there with with you know from 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 massive heritage and and wealth and um, yeah, just a different 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 level and um, yeah, it was funny. Yeah, the rugby rugby league boys used to call me the pot kid and what 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 and all this kind of stuff. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it is a massive change, though, mate. Because, like you said, the it is a well-known school, isn't it? It's it, yeah. it's exactly what it says on the tin, really. Yeah, it's a rugby yeah. school predominantly. Oh, it was my, it, it was a huge change. It was the first time, you know, I, I boarded there, so it's like me straight in, left left home um, at sixteen, and it, it, you know, it was all the first three or four weeks were awful for me because it was just that massive adjustment, and you know, new. You know, new new mates and and some of his class because of our backgrounds and everything else. But um, I'm pleased I hung in there because I almost left actually because uh, it was that bigger um, change. But yeah, hung in there and it just got better and better. And honestly, probably two of the best years of my life at spending it there because you end up, you know, you're 24 seven with your with your mates and um, the rugby was just next next level. It was. You know, it was like being a full-time rugby player, really, because when you when you're not in lessons, because yeah, you're either training for the rugby team the first fifteen, or or you're out playing touch on the rugby pitches, and it just lived and breathed it. It was it was awesome, and and that's where, yeah, yeah, it was it was class as a young young kid, um, and that was me. That was my the start of my rugby union journey. Um, ended up getting picked for. For England schools, played England schools, um, and and yeah, that's when I suppose the next 
next step was when I when I got picked up by Leeds. Right, mate. So very much are you still raw as a player when you get to Segboom? Yeah, I was, mate. I, I was I had really good intentions of being a being a back rower. Um but they slotted me in the second row at first and then they said, nah, you're gonna be a front row. <laughs> So I went from uh, yeah, loving to get the you know my hands on the ball and and carry and and tackle to uh, got pushed up in the front row eventually and 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 took to it took to it well you know it it, it was the right move at the right at, at that time and got picked for England and playing tight head prop for England which is you know I, I tell that to people now and they're like they don't believe me it's just like you were a tight head prop. To be honest, I know it's mad. Yeah, I wouldn't it's think it. Great. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy, but um, but yeah, that's probably why I switched the league. Actually, I just thought I can't do this as a career because I don't really enjoy it, but I'm all right at it. So I don't even find another <laughs> career path. <laughs> yeah. So when, at what point did it click to you that you could do something with it? Because it's all well and good getting a scholarship and that, mate, and people telling you how good you are, but you've got to believe it as well. Yeah, you've got to know that you've got what it takes. Yeah. I think having the good, the right coaches and people around you as well. You know, we, looking at Seba, we had um, there was Neil Rollins and Jeff Wop at, at the time, and, and they were they were they were good. Uh, I suppose the England setup um, and Stuart Lancaster actually he came up a few times and he he was scouting on behalf of of Leeds Tyke, so he came up and did some really good presentations, and he was obviously aware that there was a few of us. I suppose that. That that team actually that um, we played in the final year at Sebba, there was there was some cracking players. You know, Phil Dowson uh, played yeah. for England. He's director of Northampton now. There was Mike McCarthy. He played for Ireland. Uh, Leinster, Connick, uh, Cy Cross played up at Edinburgh. So we had a real, you know, oh, James Simpson, Daniel. You know, he played for England. Um, showed showed Jonah Lomo up on one of his debuts for England. So. We had a class, a class group. Um, so yeah, we were getting a lot of us were getting noticed at the time. So I think, yeah, just people telling you that you, you know, you've got potential and you've got scouts telling you this, and um, yeah, you just, it just felt, it just felt right. You know, I'm going to make a good crack of this and have a good go and give it, give it my best because I think to make it at the top level, you've got, you've got to throw everything at it. Um, you know, almost everything else takes a back seat. Including education, I suppose, at the time. <laughs> well, when you're loving life, mate, and rugby's getting through at you from all quarters, you're going to do it, aren't you? Like, education yeah, is going to slip, unfortunately. You, you have to. And yeah, I think certainly in the early days, you, you've just got to fully engross yourself in it, you know, train, train, do all the little things, all the one percenters. And um, yeah, until you're in and established, then I think, you know, education does take a back seat, but there's still a place for it because you do get a lot of time. I, me looking back now, if, if I'd had my time again, you look at the the downtime you have and the, the time away from training, there's a lot of time to to look at education and, and you know, upskilling. Um, and I'd probably done more of that looking back, but yeah, hindsight. And how, how was it to, because for, again, viewers and listeners, mate, that aren't too familiar, like tight headed the cornerstone of the pack, aren't you? You sort of dictate what sort of attack you're gonna get off a scrum and how far forward you're gonna get and stuff like that. It is it's a very 
intricate position, really. But was you allowed to play or was set piece like had a big emphasis on it for you? You know what? Back you look at tighter props now or loose head props. You know the the much more integral to the. I mean, they were integral back then, but it was more. You've got to be a good scrummager. You've got to be good in your lineouts. You've got to be good at you know rucking, mauling. That was it. With regards to getting your hands on the ball, bloody, you know, two or three times a game if you're lucky. Um, tackling. They were that, weren't they? That's a good, good yeah. start then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. But yeah. but now you look at them now and the, you've got, you know, look at the Irish props and the, the, they're athletic, you know, the ball carrying, they're a massive part of the game now. That the, that that dynamic's changed. But when I was there, it was, yeah, it was all the unseen, unseen work and, um, I love getting my hands on the ball. I, I love, I love defence. I love tackling, and and it, you know, just wasn't getting that um, with with rugby union. So imagine you stepping out first receiver playing out the back. You'd have been dragged off. Well done, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Get your hands off the ball, you. <laughs> <laughs> if your head's not in the ground in the bottom of that rock in two seconds, you know, yeah, yeah. it just yeah. changed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. signing for Leeds, then mating. Obviously, I, I read about that. I didn't know this was the case, but you had a dual cold contract, which was the first in the country or known of, wasn't it? So how did that come yeah. about? I think it was at the time where the relationship between Leeds Tykes and Leeds Rhinos, they were, they were training at the same facility. They wanted, I don't know whether it was a market employer or what, but they were wanting to have this dual um, almost, they were trying to do more and more of it where they could have this dual contract and players could switch from one team to the other. Because I know um, Wendell Saylor came over and did a bit of it, didn't he? He played a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think with me, I, w- I was a rugby union boy originally, but then I took to league quite quickly and quite quite well. It suited my game a lot better. So Gary Everington, you know, he said, um, we'll offer you we'll offer you this deal and it'd be a dual contract. Cause it, I was at a stage where I didn't know where I was going to go because I'd only just started playing rugby league, literally, you know, played a, played a half an academy season, but I was, I was, um, I was part of the England under 19 set up for the world cup in France. So I was still picking along well and, and in, in the, in the international setup for the youth. So, um, yeah, Gary said, sign it, sign a dual code. Um, Phil Davis was coach at the time for the Tykes, so you know, obviously, you know, big, big um, Welsh legend and a top, top guy. So it kind of gave me the option to take either route. Um, but to be honest, mate, once I got a sniff of league, I never, I never looked back. Yeah, uh, yeah, soon dropped rugby union. It was just, I just fell in love with it. It was great, you know, getting, you know, as a prop forward in rugby league, you, you know, you, you're, you're carrying the ball 15, 20 times, you're making. 30, 40, 50 tackles a game. It's it's mega. Um, so that that was me. I'd once to sign that contract. I don't I don't know if I played rugby union after that. I, I got the under 19s World Cup out of the way, and that was it. I just focused on on league. Um, and Dean Dean Bell, obviously Dean Bell, ex New Zealand Wigan legend. Uh, he was coach at the time, and he was actually leaving. Um, but I remember as if it was yesterday. And I was very raw, very raw still in rugby league. He said, listen, mate, I think you've got a genuine chance of making it at this spot. Um, and I thought coming from him, I thought that'll do for me. I'll I'll give it a go. Yeah. 
So you just mentioned how you played in an 18s World Cup, mate, which not many people get to do, especially as at, at the minute and probably a little bit then. Rugby Union is more world recognised, isn't it? There's nations playing Rugby Union that don't probably know what Rugby League is without being rude. Uh, we've played both courts ourselves. We know that, don't we? So how, how was the World Cup for one? And then was it difficult walking away from that potential? Because a lot of lads do kick on, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, do you know what? Probably, there was probably something inside me that knew that I probably, I was doing all right, but I, I just didn't think I could make it at the top level because one, I didn't, just didn't in, enjoy it enough. Like I didn't, I wasn't passionate about being a tighter prop, even though I was doing all right at it. The international stuff was, I mean, it looks good. It looks good on your CV, but um, it, it wasn't, and I was on the, I was coming off on, on the bench most of the time and I was maybe getting, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. Um, it wasn't it wasn't an, that enjoyable experience. There was a couple of couple of props that were ahead of me on merit, rightly so. Um, they played the majority of the game, so it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't yeah. particularly enjoy. It. I enjoyed the off-field stuff, and you know, mates for life. There was, there's 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 a lad Mark Thornton and Ian Clark. They were I wouldn't have met them if it wasn't for the England setup, and I I, I still speak to them now and and try and catch up with them every year. So. Um, yeah, that was that was a good good part of it, really. Well, it's all a learning curve, isn't it? And it does inevitably help you make your decision on sticking to rugby league, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. The fact that if you can't, if I wasn't enjoying, was the international setup in in rugby union, and I wasn't enjoying the position I was playing, then yeah, it, I think any pro sport. It's a, it's a job of a lifetime, isn't it? So you, you you've got you've got to love it. You've got to be passionate about it. And I suppose at the time with Union, I I wasn't. Especially now you've had the taste of this new sport to you, really, isn't it? It's still all very fresh. And, yeah. No, was, so when? Go on, sorry. Yeah, no, it 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 was mega, and I think Leeds was the perfect place to go to with the with the Rhinos, you know. Um. I played for the. I think my first game was actually on Sky TV because they used to show the academy games on a on a Tuesday night or Thursday night. I think it was, and um, yeah, I made my debut on Sky. Got got Simbin for deliberate offside. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't have a clue about the rules, so that was a good baptism of fire. But at the Boulevard, actually, it was uh, my debut at the Boulevard, which was which was funny. Um, yeah, actually, and then yeah, yeah, yeah and then. Um, I remember. I think what what ultimately hooked me with with rugby league was I was in the South Stand at Headingley, um, and it was Leeds Bradford in it had been ninety nine to yeah ninety nine or two thousand um, twenty odd thousand fans, and it was at the time where you've got the Stuart Field and Barry McDermott battles. You know, I think the best era of of, of rugby for a long for a long time that that early two thousands. And I just thought I want a bit. I want a bit of this. The atmosphere was off the scale. Um, you know, watching watching Barry Mack doing battle and and all all those top players. It was it was class. So that that's what got me hooked. I thought that was I want to, I want some of that. So before we move on with how things went at Leeds, mate, what is it about Head and Leeds? Because obviously, 
send the questions out and the daft ones later on are probably well known for regular listeners and, and viewers. But what makes everybody enjoy Headingley? Um, I think it's, I know they've upgraded the stadium and, and, and you know, but I think it's still, you look at the history of it and what, what's gone on there in the past and I suppose the history that's been created. And I don't know, they, they've, they've always had a great following of, of Leeds. You know, they'll always get 12, 13, 14, 15,000, up to 20,000, you know, when the, it's a shame that Bradford aren't here anymore because those derby games were, were, were mega. Um, yeah, I just think it's a really well supported, well run club. Um, yeah, and, and the the band, the atmosphere, the chanting—it's it, it, it. Yeah, you struggle to match it really. So how how did it go at Leeds then, and and what did you feel you learnt most, and when did you really feel like a a rugby league player? Um, I think. I had four years there in total. One one year was on loan at Hull, but it was great. You know, I loved it. It it was a really professional setup. There was some some good coaches, good some really good conditioning coaches as well at the time. So I was able to develop physically, um, mentally as well. They had they had a I think they were one of the first teams to bring in like a sports psychologist, which was was actually looking back was a a chap called Darren Robinson who had. A, I do keep in touch with and he was great for the young kids because often as a young kid coming through um, but you don't have those coping mechanisms you know if you make an error or you have a bad game you dwell on it a lot and you you know there's nothing you know looking back there's nothing you can do about that so it's it's about what you can do in training how you can channel that into the next game and so that was very good um, for me with the with, I suppose the psychology side which is something I enjoyed anyway the whole the mental, the mental side of it, which had to be incredibly strong to to make it the top level. So, the Leeds was great. It allowed me to um, learn my trade and and develop and and yeah, I loved it. It was a great few years. Met some fast friends, had some good times on and off the field. And um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately at the time it didn't didn't work out. But you know, Hull came in at the right time. That that I suppose they were they were going to give me. First team rugby week in week out, which is it, it was an important time where I needed to do that in order to kick on. Um, that's where I went on loan initially. Then they offered me a long term contract, which which I had to you know I had to jump at. I had to take it uh, with both hands. So did you did you generally see the loan as an opportunity, mate? Because it maybe is an insult to some people as well, isn't it? They, they don't see yeah. it. You know. Do you know what there was a bit. There was a bit of that because I was really happy at Leeds and, you know, yeah. actually the season that I went on loan, I played the first four games for Leeds in, in you know, there was a Challenge Cup and there was three league games. So I thought, right, this is it. I've cracked it. First four games, I'm in the first team, um, loving life. And then I, I remember it, it was Daryl Powell who pulled me into the office and said, oh, Hull have got a bit of an injury crisis. Um They've approached us to take you on loan, and we're going to send you out on loan. So, um, on that, isn't it? yeah, it was, it was. You know what? It it was at the time. It was I was I was gutted, but I, I, you know things happen for a reason. And um, yeah. I went to Hull. I played the rest of the season. Didn't didn't miss a game with them. And it you know I went into they, they had a good team Hull at the time, cracking team actually. Uh, like Jason Smith, Richie Barnett. 
It was some unbelievable yeah. players. Um, and yeah, very different culture to Leeds. It was, um, yeah, there was there was some lads who liked <laughs> a, a drink and a smoke and all that carry on. But it was a proper, it was a family, a family um, environment at Hull. And we, you know, we had a good time on and off the field and it, it, it was great. It was a good, good fit, good fit for me at the time. Yeah. And what was it when you first go in a dressing room? So like, for instance, that, that year you played Challenge Cup game and three league games. What was it like when you first seen your name on the back of a jersey? And the little daft things like that. Yeah, it's class. You know, as a, as a kid, you know, when, you, when you're shown on Sky Sports and you're just breaking into the team, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's mega. Nothing, nothing better, um, you know, to play, play on those pitches in front of those those sides of crowds with, you know, you look at look at the players that I played with, you know, lucky to play with some of the all-time greats um, of, of the game. So, so, yeah, it's, it's it's you know, it's a privilege and, and um, yeah, it's quality. And I know, obviously, everyone's target beginning a pre-season. Well, you went a little bit later in that first year on loan, didn't you? But is trophies and playoffs. Well, probably playoffs, isn't it, to give yourself an opportunity and try and have a nice cup run, if if fellas are honest. But could you then imagine the success that was to come at home and the opportunities that you would have had? Did you see that coming? Um, you know what? Probably probably looking at the team, once we got everyone back from in, you know injuries, yeah. that 2003-2014, um, you know what we should have done? We should have won something that year if we looked at the team and the the kind of the runs that we went on. Um, yeah, we probably probably peaked too early on on some of those those occasions. You know, we were in the top. I can't remember all four. We maybe top top two or three at the time, three maybe. But um, yeah, yeah, we could have done a bit more. But yeah, we saw the potential there. We were, we were never a team of superstars, but we 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 were you know a tight knit uh, unit which which. You know, there was always something good going to happen out of that, which which I suppose it ultimately did in 05. Yeah. And anyone else interested, mate, when before you signed permanently, or was it always going to be Hull anyway? Well, it was um yeah, it was always gonna be always gonna be Hull. Um yeah, I think there was a I, I lose track of years, but I don't know if it gold there was uh, Gold Coast Titans when they first formed there there was a there was a sniff around them, but I think I was comfortable where I was, um, you know, trying to trying to be a regular Super League player, basically. But it, it must be nice, though, mate, that there's there's outsiders that maybe don't know you that well, but still want you to add to that environment. Yeah, it, it, it's good because you, I don't know, I suppose I still class myself as a youngster at that point. You've... Um, don't even think I had an agent at the time. Yeah, you don't know. You don't I suppose you don't know what your worth is and you don't know, you know, how well thought of you, you are in the game. So um yeah, I think it, it is nice when you suppose when you get recognised at, at representative level and, and from other teams trying to trying to get you on, on their roster. So um yeah, yeah, it's good. And when you you left Leeds, was it like a, an end of a contract or was it was it an amicable separation? Yeah, it was that. I was in the final year anyway when I went on loan. Oh, right. Yeah, I might have. But you know what? I can't remember. I think I had. I think yeah. I did have a few more years left. But 
Hull um, Leeds released me from a contract to sign a three-year deal at, at Hull. Um, so I did that off the back of the the year on loan that I went there. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was amicable. It was it was just yeah yeah there was no animosity there. So. And does it does it all obviously help the fact that you've got like a short-term future, not twelve months, but you've got three years, so you can really have a good pop then. Yeah, it did. I thought right. Brilliant. This is my chance. And it, you know what? It was the first year at the KC Stadium as well when I went on loan. So it was funny, mate. I always, I always thought, as long as we're at the Boulevard, I always said I'll never, I will never sign for Hull as long as you're at the Boulevard. <laughs> and you then the move to the KC. Oh, and then the move to the KC, and I thought this is, um, you know, it's, I still think it's arguably the best stadium in the league. Anyway, uh, now still. Um, to get to go there and play there week in week out was, you know, that was attractive definitely at the time. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was good. And then I know I know you're not involved now, but is the in the last few years, man, have you not looked at playing squad and thought, how's it not, how's it not lifted some? Because he does, he's not scared of spending Adam Pearce and is he? And some of the signings they bring in, like quality, not just people there for a bit of dollar, they did he? To really yeah. have a go, Andy. Yeah, I know. I think it's a shame because they had that that good good few years under under Radders, under yeah. Lee Radford, and you know back to back Challenge Cups, and um, yeah, you just thought they'd have kicked on and and been a been a dominant force, but they've almost gone gone backwards in the in the last few years for whatever reason. But listen, it, it's difficult building the right team because. You know, you need the right culture. You need everyone to click. It, it it's not as easy as getting a load of good players and throwing them together. You know, you, you look at back at the Leeds team for that golden generation. You know, the the core of the team were local Leeds lads. Um, you know, you you, you Danny Maguire's, you you know, I know you you, you Rob Burrows, you, you Chev Walkers, all those guys, and um, they just had the you know Tony Smith came in and and. And change that culture, which is what what it probably needed at the time. Um, whereas you know Hull, you 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 get some lads in there that are maybe loose cannons or or not pulling the weight or not team players. It, it can impact the the squad massively. Um, and I suppose you don't know until they come in, do you? No, you I, don't I really. And, and listen, listen, the young, you know, speaking to a lot of lads um, that are still playing that. That I played with, so it's it shown how old they are. Um, <laughs> you know that you talk, you talk to them about the young, you know the the youth coming through now, and they're a different, they're a different breed, they're a different generation. You know they're exposed to um, the social media, the the the, the kind of you know. Um, you know it's difficult it's to explain. Them. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. They're under a microscope a lot more, and they they can't they, they can't get they can't get away with anything. You know, every every oh. move's monitored and and looked at and and scrutinised. So, um, yeah, and I think, yeah, I think that I'm trying to think. I won't name names, but yeah, some of them have said that the young, a lot of the younger generation think they're a lot better than they are. Um, you can imagine that, get, mate, yeah. Yeah, 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 I. I I I think so, and there's a bit of um, yeah. I don't know. I won't I won't go into it. I'll sound like one of those old retired yeah. players that think. No one else think the job's done because they've got a trackie, don't they? Yeah. Like some, yeah. sometimes they do. Yeah, like that's the nicest way of putting it. They get a bag of stash and they they think they're made for life, and 
probably walk yeah. around the city like they own it a little bit, maybe. Yeah, when yeah. You can do that when you've got the trophies and the medals to support the way you're acting, can't you? Yeah. And I imagine yeah, that's how yeah, the fans I see it. Yeah, a lot of them, it's, it's more about the... the Status. The, the brand and the status, and it's yeah. not, it's not, it's so, it so couldn't be, you know. It, it for me, it's, it's always, always about, you know. I try and teach my lad about, you know, you know, doing the best you can, and not worrying about the, the external stuff. And you know, if you give every, you know, hundred percent every week, it, it'll go a long way to making you the best version of yourself, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, the, the, the youngsters, the younger generation, worry me a little bit. Um, but that that's not just in sport. I think that's across across the board. You know, I work in financial. I work in financial advice now, and and bloody hell, it it's worrying the lack of patience and the want everything now. And it's um, yeah, it's a difficult one, really. Yeah. Well, some people notice genuine hardworking people, don't they? It doesn't matter whether you're twenty or eighty. If you people can see you're being honest and hardworking. And you're putting a shift in, in whatever walk of life you're doing. People recognise that, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do definitely, yeah. definitely. So, like you said, mate, your your spell was was successful. You were part of a really competitive and strong, challenging side. So, what are some of your best memories? That whole. Um, I think well, obvious ones. The Challenge Cup when we won won the Challenge Cup at, at Millennium Stadium in '05. That was. Um, we didn't do so well in the league, but John John Keir and you know was very good at getting us up for one off one off games. Um, so that that run of you know you look at the the teams that we beat to get to that final. You know we beat Bradford, St. Helens, um, Lee. You know, and you look at the St. Helens and Bradford teams. They were the best of the generation. You know, yeah. You know we we actually played St. Helens the year after in the grand final and. They had like James Graham, Mario Fasavalu, and James Roby on the bench. They had 16 internationals in the team, and that that was just you know incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, 05 was was class. 06 getting to the grand final, um, disappointed as it was. You know, it, it wasn't our day, and we came across we came up against a, an unbelievable Saints team, and but still, you know, to get there and do it and be that close to. To, to to winning the ultimate was 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 amazing. And then, you know, thankfully we got to play at Wembley as well in the, the 08 Cup final. Um got beat off Saints again. But um a boy or dream to play at Wembley more for the football. But um yeah. 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 So they're the three three standouts. Um got to represent England at, you know at a time as well. So that was that was nice to get that recognition recognition and um yeah, have some have some good times in that 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 international setup. So, yeah, the, they're the main ones. Yeah. Again, and you, you don't have to do your cliche down book anymore, do you? But what is that week leading up to a final like, and how different is it? Um, it's a strange one because suppose the week before, because you, you there'll always be a league game leading up to it, and obviously. I think most teams will pick the stronger side still, because, but you, you kind of in the back of your head, you're like, oh, I don't want to get injured here, because if I get injured, I miss out on a once in a lifetime. Because it's, it's a, the week, the actual week before is, is a strange one, because you, you're trying to avoid injury at all costs, but 
you've still got to go out and deliver on that weekend and the Super League game. So once you get that out of the way, but then, yeah, the week leading up to it, obviously we played at Millennium because they were rebuilding Wembley. Um, yeah, we went down to Wales a couple of days, days early and uh, got to do the um, lap of the pitch the day before and 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 that build up. And John John was very good at that. We he, I'll always remember it as if it was yesterday. I think he got us in the a room in the hotel and uh, sat us around in a circle. And he you know he just said, right, we'll go around each individual. Um, what what does it mean to you to be, at, you know, this final to be, to be playing in this final? You know, what is your driver? What's your why? Why you know why are you doing it? And you can imagine the emotion and you know grown men crying and it was just, um, it was weird. Just the the the, the set of events that got us to that final. It it was it was like it was meant to be almost. Um, even on the day, um. The big one of the big things that that fired us up. We were in the tunnel and Leeds were unbelievably cocky, like really cocky and big time in it and shouting and whooping and all this. And we were just like quietly there doing our own, you know, mind their own business. And um, yeah, it was it was like it was meant to be. It was just every everything aligned right, and we 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 turned them over in the end, which was which was mega. Well, did John feel when you stood up and said I'd rather be here with Carlisle United? Holy mess him. And so what what is it about John that can do them things? Obviously recently he's been dismissed as witness coach, Annie, but his C V speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, it does I think. Good question. I think with John, it, the thing that you get from him, he, he loves the game and he's passionate about the game. And, you know, you look at his, his CV and what he's done. I think that just feeds into each each player. And I, I look back, you look back at the coaches that he played under him. And, and I suppose I look back and when I played my best rugby was actually under John. Um, but I think one of the, everyone's different, aren't they? But, you yeah. know, I think he cared about us as individuals and, and you know, he cared about me and, and you know, and, and he made that, he, he, you know, he made me feel like, you know, I was, I was a vital part to the to the cog. So I think he was just very good at um, putting a good squad together for, for starters, but, but just being able to tweak out the, the, the emotion and the, and the best for that, for those one-off games, you know, that, that's what he was, that's what he was good at. Yeah, that's where he was at his best, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was. And then England selections. So how was you told about that? And and how how was you in that environment? Because you're getting flashbacks to the previous cold, aren't you? And because the the badge means as much to you on a supporters jersey, I imagine as much as it does playing. Whether you'd have done it in cricket, you'd done it playing rugby union. Whether you'd have done it in football, the feeling will be very much the same, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was. Do you know what the England, the England whole rugby league England stuff was uh, an interesting, interesting one, good and bad. Um, so got first got selected in '04, which was my sec- my first proper year at Hull after the year on loan. So that that was brilliant, you know, recognition. I had my first full year of, of playing Super League rugby and got picked pick for England. It was when GB was still around, so 
got picked for England to play in the Federation Shield, I think it was at the time. So sat with great. I thought, right, I'm I'm on the cusp. I'm almost development. You know, my, my next goal, I want to be GB. So so that was great, great feeling to, to get that. And then 05 was probably easily my best my best year at, at Hull. Um, you know, we won the Challenge Cup. Uh, personally, I got um, players, player, coaches, player, uh, fans, player of the year. So it was great to get recognised for that. So I was that I was in the form of my life personally, and um, yeah, I was on the verge of GB, and I thought I was going to get picked at the time. You know, the, that was the rumours coming out. Brian Noble was coach, but um, yeah, I remember we were in the room. We got sat down. We got told you're either GB or you were you're England. Um, and he went. The thing is, I was never Brian Noble's kind of prop. You know, he was always big, powerful. You know, Stuart Field, and um, I think he picked Ryan Bailey, Jamie Thackeray at the time. Um, so yeah, that that was that was gutting. Um, the thought you can't do any more, can you? No, I couldn't. I couldn't really. But I just wasn't the fit for that particular coach. Um, so yeah, I ended up. I ended up pulling out because I needed a, I needed a hernia operation. So I was a bit, I was a bit gutted, and I thought, right, I'll just get the operation done. Um, I was, I was aiming for GB that year and didn't get picked. So let's get the op done. Um, and then the following year, I got got picked for England again um, in '06. So I, I played in that, and it, it it was good. You know, there was some good rugby. We won the we won the Federation Shield against. Um, Tonga, it was. There was loads of fights and scrapping and red oh, cards. At the, and, at the witness ground, wasn't it? The witness, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah which, which was, uh, yeah, I think um, Jamie Jones got filled in and then Radders came in to help him and Radders got filled in on the ground and Solomon Amono <laughs> ran on from the bench. He was a he's a heavyweight boxer, isn't he, Solomon Amono? And he got he got a red card and he was on the bench. So it was, yeah, carnage. Carnage all around. Yeah, so. it was. Yeah. How did you recover from that, mate, when... You must have been like not a hair's whiff away from it. I know life's a matter of opinions, but sometimes, which again, Brian's similar to John, isn't he? He's quite a big icon in the game. He calls him on the telly and think he's still involved with Bradford, didn't he? But how do you how do you get yourself going again when you know you've just had the year of your life, basically? Yeah, it was oh, it was tough, but I think his whole word they're on the cusp of something special, you know, winning the cup grand final, you just think, right, this is it. They're going to invest. They're going to build the squad, keep keep getting better. And they're going to be, you know, top four challenges every year. And which is what which is what you want. You know, there was a genuine yeah. opportunity there for Hull to to kick on, but they didn't. Um it, Paul Cook, he left he left mid season, didn't he, at, at, at one point he went to Hull KR. Yeah. Um and that was that was a massive Massive blow to us. He, you know, he's an in, integral part to him. You know, Paul Cook and Richard Horn at halfback, and yeah. you know, he left us, left us in the lurch a fair bit, and then they just didn't, they didn't invest and recruit uh, appropriately, and it, and it, it cost him in the long, long run actually. Um, yeah, it was a difficult, difficult period from from then on. So when you lose someone like Paul Cook, because like he was instrumental when he pulled the strings, really. What what does that tell everyone else? What did it tell you? Um, it probably told me 
a bit about the the person Hookie, because I don't know what went on with the behind the scenes and you know whatever went on with the chief executive that he said he'd signed a contract and he didn't. You know that's none of my business. But I suppose it was disappointing for us that um, Hookie left us. You know he'd been part of the whole setup for a long time and you know to leave partway through the season to to our biggest rivals it 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 was a it was a kick really um and I, listen i get it's a short career financially i know he'll have been better off with what he did but um yeah. i suppose me personally sometimes you've got to look yourself in the in the mirror and think is this you know morally right for my teammates um and you know it, it probably and it, it 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 wasn't and it impacted us you know in in a, in a big way, um, yeah. No, and really, it was it was well documented, wasn't it? It was controversial. It was everyone was ripping everyone at one point. It did get a little bit messy, mate, didn't it? And it it must have been a distraction for you. Yeah, it was it was messy, and it listen it it, it was partly the club's fault um, for not tying up those those loose ends, which was just bizarre, but. That's the part, mate. Things happen, don't they? You've got to yeah. kind of move on and, and um, control the controllables. I always tell my lad. So, um, yeah. yeah, you just try and make That's it. That's what you preach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And how was a derby day for you? Is it something you look forward to? Did you circle it at the start of the year? You know what? They were the best games. Almost, yeah, I'd say up there with, with the finals, actually. Um the atmosphere is off off the scale, and you know it. It's the fans live and breathe it over there. You know the the west and the east, and um, yeah, there've been some battles on there. Even if it's a friendly, you know they'll get fifteen, sixteen thousand there at a friendly, and it's it's battle royale. You know it's um, it, it's next. Yeah, blind me. I remember I was playing at playing at one of the derbies, and we beat them at their place. Um, you might remember it was at the time it was a pitch invasion and lots of lots of kids went on from our end celebrating, but then Hulk a lot came on and I think I got offered out by about three blokes and then yeah, I did I did. It was like, come on, I was like, I'm just trying to get off here and get a shower. And then luckily a whole a whole fan came over and just cracked one of them like, right, I'll see you later and left them one. And there's there's a big um in the whole Daily Mail, there's a picture of a, a lass with a high heel just going like going at somebody like this with a <laughs> just like these. And that was the passion though, like the 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 yeah, it just it was unbelievable. I miss them. The the derby days were class, absolutely class. Yeah. Um yeah, they were good. And you mentioned the hernia up there, mate. How how would you been with injuries? You know, unbelievably look well, lucky. I, I did look after myself, you know. I always I always um, did the right thing training, eating wise, but yeah, my, my that was my probably my only major off actually. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't miss many games at all. I I, I think Super League wise, my worst injury was I, I tore my calf um, quite badly, but I was only out for maybe five or six weeks. Um, and then my worst injury was my last ever game at Dewsbury. Um, yeah. Not my medial ligament, but apart from that, just uh, I brought I brought my toe, um, not my my toe, the toe inside of your little toe, snapped by an half wrestling, um, doing some wrestling technique, but 
I just didn't train for 10 weeks and got it injected to play for 10 weeks. I was crap. I was crap for 10 weeks, but the coach kept picking me. <laughs> so I was like, you're going to do it. But yeah, I was I was doing like one-legged rowing and trying to keep fit doing that whilst, whilst I had a boot on. And then for game day, I'd just get it. In, I, I know you probably couldn't get away with that now, but get get injected and play. Well, that's the thing, right? Well, I think now, well, that's the stuff we everyday fans don't know, did he? You, you're purely like judged on your Saturday or your Sunday. Not your, not your build-up and that, yeah, and they won't realise your toes probably that big, black. Like, oh, well, I thought, I'd, I, thought I'd dis, I thought I'd dislocated it, so I'd, I'd gone in and it, it, I'd, like, split my toes on, on someone's shin, so, like, gone in like that, and it and it hung, and it kind of wandered off to the side, so the, it was um, it was John Donoghue, who was a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach, does a lot with, like, Melbourne Storm and UFC fighters, and I was like, oh, I think it's dislocated. Just put it back in. So he's like yanking it and like pulling it and straight. I think, oh, I think it's back in there. I think we've got it back in. <laughs> and then it just started to wander off to the left again. And I was like, no, I think I think I didn't get to it here. That's something's not right. And it was completely snapped in half. Me too, so I just give like, it a go pulling that. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, never mind. But there you go. No, that's it, mate. So was there a gap between... Hull and Workington. Yeah, so I went I went to yeah. Oz. Um right. Yeah, my last year at Hull in oh, I put you on mute there. Um yeah. yeah, I went to Oz. So I didn't get offered a deal at Hull, which was which was pretty gutting to be honest at the time. I, that was my ninth ninth year. I was hoping to get a testimonial, but didn't get offered a deal, so myself and him who decided to to move to Oz, um, go play and work out there. So I was going out to be a coal miner, believe it or not. That was the that was the plan. Um, so, well, true, isn't it? It's like again, what most rugby players do do it, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so went out there, signed for a uh, like third tier team called Thurul Thurul Butchers. Um, yeah, did me all did me underground training. Had to escape from a smoke-filled mine and put out fires and all sorts of stuff like that. Qualified and uh, never got never got the job. It was it was a yeah. I don't know whether it was ever going to come, but um, yeah. So that it was a good time because we won a grand final out there with Thurul, which was brilliant. Um, got to play for St George's feeder team, the Illawarra Cutters. Uh, but it was a tough old period actually because I was financially not in a great place. Oz was an expensive place to live and started to build up, yeah. I suppose, quite a lot of debt. Um, so moved back, moved, ended up moving back to my parents in Cumbria while we figured out, right, what's next? We're not in a good place here. Um, that's when I signed up Workington. Right. And is is that influenced the fact of what you do now? So like you're out, you're out with people yeah. now, don't you? Yeah, probably a little bit, actually, because... That was my main driver initially because I went, I signed at Workington and um, I got so Shane. You've maybe come across Shane Grady before. He's a he's a yeah. I don't know Shane. Sure. Yeah. So so when I went over to Oz, um, he was at the same club. He'd already been working and playing out there. So I got got to be good, really good mates with Shane. Um, and when I came back, he said, "Oh, one of my mates, Richie Barkoulis, um, 
is is working for MetLife, an insurance company. Go and have a chat with him. He reckons there's some opportunities. So I went and had a chat with Rich and um yeah, kind of jumped jumped at the opportunity to start starting insurance sales. So that that was that was that really. Um that was that's what helped me get my feet back on the ground and ultimately I was I was selling there was accident policies for, for broken bones. So going around all the amateur clubs in the um in the all the Cumbrian amateur clubs and Yorkshire and 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 selling this broken bone policy, um, which which was great, and and uh, I suppose yeah, the next stage was was going fully into financial advice and investments and financial planning, which you know it certainly helped the experiences that I've gone through that you know I should have planned better, uh, but using my experience, yeah, yeah, it is, but I I can use my experiences and my I suppose. Uh, tough times to to help others, you know, try and not make those same mistakes. Yeah, plus, don't don't listen to me. I'll break bones, and then but yeah. it just happens, doesn't it, mate? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Especially yeah. if you're three stone bigger, then as well. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, how was it coming back? Oh, well, for a start, what were the uh, facilities like? With is it the real, mate? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, the rule, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it it was a a local town club, you know. There were the, there was there was no there was no gym. Um, just a nice a, a nice pitch in the in the yeah. in the middle of the town, you know. Just as you as you'd probably expect with a with a bowling club next to it. Um, really nice setup, great people. Um, loved loved it there. I was I was literally a, a minute walk to the beach. I thought this is this is it. I can see myself doing this for 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 a good good long while. Um, but yeah, it just didn't 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 work out. But that that that's life. Thompson, again without being rude, mate, because you're pretty humble. But you've gone from having everything just in one room and then recovery in another and then massage one to to none of that, mate. Just suddenly, uh, yeah, it was difficult, mate, because. Suppose I went to Thoreau and um it, it was the temperatures were it was warm at the time when I went when I went out there. Um I went through that period of it was like you said, it's probably the start of my transition actually out of pro sport into the real almost the real world. So, you know, I'd I'd lost that identity as well, which is a big thing. I, I'd gone from you and the rugby player playing that whole week in, week out in front of tens of thousands to Signing at the rule, a third tier team with a few hundred watching. Um, very different environment set up, you know, training twice a week. Um, yeah. yeah, it was difficult. And work and working as well. You know, my first first job I went and worked for Shane Millard, who I know Shane played at um Wigan and, and Witness yeah. and, and Leeds. Yeah, and yeah. he he gave me a job and um first day on the job he said, Right, boys, I was with Shane Grady. He had a couple of chainsaws and he went, right, here's an address. And he, have you used a chainsaw before? And I was just like, yeah, I I hadn't. And uh, I, yeah. I, me and me and Shane all went out and there uh, with the ute and cut down this tree and loaded it up and with no protective clothing on, we just <laughs> ripped in. So, <laughs> so I could say first first job after rugby was a lumberjack. That's what I'd probably say, couldn't I? <laughs> yeah, it, it's... It's just so far from what the dream soul for 
people, lads and girls that don't know, isn't it? Like you think it's the epitome, mate. Like I know, I know lads that have gone and the accommodation hasn't even been there. They've done six weeks in changing rooms, and then the yeah. couch surfing, uh, uh, couch yeah. surfing and stuff. And oh. well, mate, I, I, imagine when... I was I was lucky. I was lucky because um, Craig Fitzgibbon, who was at Hull with at the time, he he just retired. So literally, he'd he'd moved back to his place in Oz, um, which was the next village up from Thoreau. So he said, you know, he suggested this club. So he said, oh, come over, you know, live, live with me for a, a month or two until you find a dig. And so that, that was great. You know, Fitz is, you know, yeah. I speak to him all you know, as much as I can. And he's head coach at Cronulla now and doing doing, doing really well. Um, but but he, he helped. Um, but I think we helped each other a little bit because, again, he went through that transition of doing it all his life. You know, Fitz, yeah. you know, is one of the best ever, wasn't he? Fitzy, you yeah. know, top scoring forward and everything else to, you know, then there's me and him for a month of, honestly, we're just figuring stuff out, you know, just having a good time and thinking, yeah. you know, we'll we'll be able to uh, do this forever. But no, we have to figure out what we're going to do next, really. So what, what happened? Do you put feelers out before you come off? You, you know, do you just get home and get yourself sorted first and then what opportunity comes, it comes. Yeah, it was. Um, I'd, I'd actually got accepted on an internship in, in America um, before the Australia things because I was doing a part-time degree while I was at Hull Sports Science degree. So right. I wanted to stay in the game as strength and conditioning coach. So um, I did an interview with Athletes Performance, which are a big training facility out in Arizona that, work with a lot of NFL and NBA players and um yeah so I got accepted on that but the visa requirements um you had to be doing full time education in order to qualify for this visa so I couldn't I couldn't get the right visa so we had to put that on the back burner and then this is when the 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 Oz opportunity came up and Fitzy was a big a big part behind that. You know, he said, you know, really good local club. Um try and look at you getting in the mines and um you know what to be fair when I went out there it, it was going to be for for good potentially if, if it had all aligned and clicked but but it didn't um so so yeah we we, we had to think of plan b c and d after that yeah and then like you said it's working so mate so what what's it like coming back from playing at the KC to it's Derwent Park, it's named, isn't it? So, like, yeah. I was <laughs> that was, um, I was a mad, mad, mad experience. It was great, like, you know, you know, Gary Charlton and Martin Oglenby were coaches. Um, we had Matty Johnson and, as conditioner, and then there was there was a few few lads that I used to play with were, were there, and you know, I knew a few Cumbrian lads, you know, Cumbrians. We all got along really well together. So it was, it was. Do you know what? It was a really good bunch of lads. We had such a laugh. Um, but again, such a, a strange setup because it, you know, you're training twice a week, and then you've got team run on a Saturday, and then you play on a Sunday. But because the majority of the lads work at Sellafield, they're always on shift. So sat, you know, I remember my first Saturday session, and there was maybe eight or nine of us training for a pre pre match run run out, and I'm like, you know. I'll plot in at six. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go whatever. So, so just like, <laughs> you know, totally different 
dynamic again. Um, yeah. Just priorities, but, that mate, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, their main earner was, was Sellerfield, and rightly so, they've got yeah. to prioritise that, and rugby took. But rugby for me was still, you know, that was oh, my wow. main my main focus. Um, you know, I still wanted to play, and, and it was it was strange, really, because I came back, um, came back from Osborne, there was a sniff from Bradford at the time, which um, got got me interested again. I thought, oh, and then speaking to Chris Chester at Hull KR, and they they were interested, um, which which was out of the blue actually. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, that didn't materialise. But thankfully, I didn't go to Bradford because they went tits up pretty quickly after that. So um, you know, they went into administration. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Um, so no, we yeah we did 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 the season at work. I actually signed two years um, at Workington, but uh, ended up playing the season out. Great, we had a good season actually. We we pushed Lee really close in the playoffs and should have, you know, we had a chance to turn them over, but we didn't. Uh, and then I thought it's probably time for me to to, to pack in. Uh, we'd we'd got in a better place financially, so I could move back into my old place in Leeds. Uh, which is where my where you know my wife Amy is from, and uh, we moved moved back to Leeds, and um, yeah, it was kind of focuses on focusing on career then. Um, but but I got a little uh, call from one of my best mates, Wayne Godwin, who was playing at Dewsbury, and uh, I, I fancied one last hurrah to come out of retirement and and yeah. and signed at Dewsbury. Missed all the pre-season, obviously, and straight into it. So it was, it was happy days. Tactical, tactical. But you know, when you sat there, mate, and like you just mentioned, they appreciate lads have got livelihoods, and and the rugby isn't the main, the main source of that at certain levels, isn't it? So when it's like at Workington, say when it was still a big ambition of yours to be your your lead uh, career choice, which it was, wasn't it? It was supplemented. Is it hard to motivate yourself when you're doing it, like you said, a team run with nine lads or are you having to change a lot of the spine a lot of the time because of shift work and stuff? And Yeah, it is. And you've got to think as well, the coaches, the coaches are part-time coaches. They've got, they've got jobs and, they've, and uh, they've, they've not been exposed to full-time sport or, full, you know, Super League. Where, but I thought, you know, me... I, probably where I, I tried to add a bit more value and, and, and help on that side and and try and bring a bit of leadership and, and a bit of, you know, what we did at, at that level and try and bring a bit of professionalism in and, and, and help help on the coaching side. So, yeah, I think it was difficult, but I tried to, I tried to use my experiences to, to add to the team and, and um, you know, bring, bring that. Cause that's that ultimately why they, they wanted me there, that, you know, from, you know, I played 240 odd games at Super League level, so um, yeah. yeah, I tried to add a bit. Um, and it's an enhanced role, basically, mate. Aren't you? You're an on-field coach, though. You're nurturing the yeah. next wave, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, sharing the captaincy with with, um, with Jared Stack at the time. So yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, and then so. Tuesday then, mate, how, how did that go? And I hope Wagger was sorting you a few ales out or something for pulling you out of your bed. 
Well, he, he was rubbish because he got me out of retirement, then he broke his arm and that was his season over, so I didn't get to play with him much, really, which is a bit disappointing. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit, I think the last three or four years of my pro rugby before Dewsbury, I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it. I think my form reflected that. I, I wasn't, I'd lost the love and passion for it and whether that was, um, you know, through the coaches that I was under and, um, yeah, I just, it was, it was a strange one, mate, really. I wasn't getting nervous for games. It was, my nerves were more about, got to perform here. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to, I'm going to let myself down. So it, it wasn't a nice yeah. feeling at all. It was a strange one. I was performing on both fear of letting myself and my family down, which, which, you know, before that, it was, it was fear of, um, you always have a bit of fear of failure, but, I wanted to go out there and perform because I love doing that. I love performing and being the best I can. But whereas it was, it was a totally different dynamic. So, um, you I all... as well, you and I, yeah. Sorry, mate. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Exactly. And you, you know, like you say, you can go on social media and, and look at, you know, what people are saying about you and everything else. So that, that, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it. So I wanted, I suppose one of my goals of when I went to Oz and I went to working, I just wanted to enjoy playing the game that I loved and enjoyed. You know, I just yeah. wanted to to get a passion and and you know get the nerves of turning up on a game day and and getting out there and enjoying it again, back to when you were as a as a young kid. So, yeah. and thankfully, Drewsby allowed me to do that. Um, you know, Glenn Morrison and Damien Gibson were coaches. Got back with my best mate Wagger and. And you know, one of the big things, Dewsby was 10 minutes down the road from me. And I'd always, I'd always traveled. I'd always traveled to Hull, which was a 45 an hour commute. Workington, I traveled from my mum and dad's, which was again, um, you know, 40, 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but Dewsby was down the road. So I could rock up at training. I could get a full day's work in. Um, Morrow, Glenn, Glenn was great. If I had to work, he said, don't worry about it. You don't need to train. Just, you know, as long as you're here once a week, you, you're fine. So, um, you know, you can be captain. Me and Carl Price were, were co-captains, so we shared that. And it was just a relaxed environment with a really good bunch. Um, and I started I started loving it again. Started started playing playing well. Um, and it was just... Just a nice feeling to get back and enjoy it and enjoy that environment and have a good laugh and and play some good rugby. Um, and then, yeah, snap, ended up snap, snapping my media. I was going to retire that year anyway because I got the opportunity with St. James's Place. Um, but then snap, snap my media on one of the, I think it was the end of July um, against Barrow. Uh, and, and that was it. That was me done. Um, but I was all right with that. It, it was, you know, I was enjoying it. I was, I was, I was fine. I did it scoring a try, so that was nice because I never scored many tries. So oh, I snapped my medial scoring a try, so happy days. Yeah, good. <laughs> so it come a full circle, really. The love was where it started at 13, the love's where it ended, and you've had a couple of mixed bags in the middle. I mean, yeah, some really good highs, a few lows. Maybe not the lowest of lows, but enough for you to appreciate what you've had and maybe what you were about to go into as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was it was good yeah. to finish where I was, even though I was injured, but you know, I enjoyed that final season and and um it was just nice to to, to finish in that 
headspace, I suppose. And now it was, right, let's focus on, I've got St. James's Place. I'm going into their academy. I've got a genuine career path that I can get my teeth stuck into. And it, it was good. Everything was starting to align after probably, you know, three, four, five years of transition of uh, some pretty dark days, actually, of, of um, yeah, not knowing where I was going to take it all and go with it. But, but yeah, yeah, you know, got in a good place in the end. Oh, thanks. So how did Wigton come about? And how did you find <laughs> it playing in North 1 West? I think we were at the time, weren't we, or something like that? Yeah, it was um, randomly. So it was, this was in between. It was in between Workington and um, Dewsbury. Dewsbury. Yeah, it was. So the reason behind that was I got a chance to play for the Classic Lions in Bermuda. So now with like got, ball handles and people like that. Yeah, so I got yeah. There was in the, uh, that team. There was uh, Colin Charvis was playing. There was um, Victor Matfield was playing for South Africa when I went out. So like yeah, eleven days of it was a lot of drinking, but some really good high quality <laughs> rugby. So I got picked on that, and I thought, right, I've not played rugby union since I was a kid. Um, you know, I, I owe it to them to at least play a bit. So. I knew a few people at Wigton, like Malcolm Brown was coach at the time, and um, I'd come across a few of them because I played a few old boy games against um, the anti assassins for me for Sebba. So I played against, and a lot yeah. of the Wigton boys played for them. So uh, that was my kind of way in. I could have gone to Penrith, but Penrith played a, a league or two up, and I didn't I didn't fancy playing too yeah. higher levels. So went in with Wigton, and yeah, it was great. I think I had three or four months there. Loved it. Really good bunch of lads. Um, Played a bit of back row. Yeah, I'm centre. Centre, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, did, I played it played at Wigton, had a good good laugh. And then that that that's when I went out to Bermuda with Classic Lions and um yeah, I, that was a funny one as well because the um the coaching staff, uh, there was like JPR Williams was the doctor and Willie John McBride was was part of the team as well, and uh, Daffy Daffy James um, was was part of the coaching staff, and they, they came to me because they didn't really know much about me because I, I was rugby league lad really, and they went, "We're a bit short in the backs. Have you ever, you know, you think you'd be all right playing like centre?" And I was like, "Yep." You'll do me. They realised I was one of the slowest props in the history of Super League and all that. So I ended up playing inside centre for the Classic Lions um, out in Bermuda. So it was mega, absolutely class. Awesome. Uh, loved it. And I was like, no, for you, mate, you look happy. Like you said, you're, you're smashing the riding, mate. You're a lot lighter than you was and, and yeah. you still look 21. So it can't be too bad, can it? <laughs> Cheers, mate. Do you know what? Life, life's good. Um, loving the cycling. Can't get enough of it. Um, and, and family's great. I've got two two beautiful young kids, a boy and a girl, Ethan and Georgie. They're they're doing really well at school and sport and everything else. I can't can't complain. And then, you know, got got my own business, which you know, unbelievably going into me, you know, my ninth year, um, running running my own financial advice firm, which which you know is going in the right direction and 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 you know love it. It's 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 not easy. It's it's gone through some tough times the last few years, as you can imagine, with 
all the stuff that's gone on in the world. But but yeah, it it, it took a while to get there. But yeah, can't can't complain at all. Reinforced to that testimonial there, mate. Open non-negotiable contracts and that. <laughs> no, it's great to hear, mate. Your journey's definitely been testing one at times and you've rose to the challenge every time, thankfully. So quite a few daft questions for you, if that's all right. Yeah, so any yeah, pre-match superstitions? Um I always it's funny, my mates take me mick out of me because um I always wore I always wore briefs. Um but I, I used to call them apple catchers. I used to wear my apple catchers and they were from neck. I always used to wear next apple catchers. And I wore the same black pair of, of undies before each each game. And I've still got some now in my drawer that I'll that I'll bring out now and then. So yeah, I'd have oh, my undies and I'd all Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I'd um but that was it. Super I'd always eat the same thing, which I stopped doing eventually. I'd always eat spaghetti bolognese before a game and and all that, but but nothing, nothing too, uh, nothing too daft. Fair enough, mate. So the toughest player you played with and against, like toughest for us all, is a different definition, isn't it? It's whatever you see toughest as. Um, probably toughest for um, difficult one actually. I'd say Craig Fitzgibbon. Yeah, he was he was tough, no nonsense. Um, Craig Greenell actually, uh, he was he was the standout prop when I first went to Hull on loan. Yeah, so he was around his head and that. Yeah, and he's yeah. called Knuckles. You know, his nickname was Knuckles, and um, he was he was tough as tough as anything was nuts. Um, not the sharpest tool in the box, but yeah, you wouldn't you'd want him on your side if that if that made sense. Um, and then against, um. Yeah, I don't know. Probably toughest. I'd say fielding in his prime, like when he was ripping up trees, playing 80 minutes at prop and not ever letting up on the gas. You know, he was he was tough. Um, Jamie Peacock, yeah, just relentless, you know, non-stop. Adrian Morley was horrible to play against. Um, again, quick, athletic, he was like one of them ones you tackle and it'd be like hitting a you know a wall of granite. It was just like horrible, horrible to tackle. So I'd say they're the they're the main ones. Um yeah. That's understandable, mate. He's still ripped now, isn't he? Still massive. <laughs> so your favourite away ground? Favourite away grounds. Um it sounds like you like the newer stadiums, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I did. Um, I, I'd say Headingley, but we never won it. Headingley was always a really difficult place to go to. We never, we never won there. Um, yeah, bit of a bit of a. I'll well, say that. I don't know if it's an insult to leave. It's meant to be like horrible and that, and it. And you'd all love going there. Yeah, but it's, it's just one of them places, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, Wigan was Wigan was an impressive place to go to. Um, you know the the JJB at the time, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, that's probably it. Yeah, probably probably that one. Fair enough. So if you could go back in 
tell a younger you something, what would it be? Good question. With regards to rugby and just well, anything, mate. Yeah. Um. Ah, there's there's a few different hats I could put on here. I'd I'd, I'd say invest your money um, wisely and and yeah, not fritter it away on on a lot of, lot of crap and invest in you know invest your money and buy property and everything else. But um, I think if you're just looking at purely purely sport, is is you know, live and breathe it. In you know, engross yourself in it. Study the game inside out. Um, you know, look at all the little one percenters that you can you can do on the mental side, the psychology, the the physical attributes. Because we're all made up, all wired up differently as well. Because that's one thing that you know, I was never the quickest or the the most skillful, but I try and hone what what you know, make the best of what I've got. Um. That's probably what I'd, what I'd say now because, you know, I'm never going to be the quickest, but, you know, I'll try and make up for that in with my engine and, and be as fit as I possibly can. So, yeah, that's yeah. probably what I'd say. Right, mate. So you and Wagon have had a couple of these skinny waggers he raves about. And he's out and about, right? The microphone's in your hand. What are you giving us? Um... I like a bit of George Ezra, but but you know some of them. But uh, I remember we did we did the the rugby league factor for R- Richard Orn's testimonial, and I did a bit of Ronan Keating. You say it best when you say nothing at all. So Blast. yeah, I was having <laughs> women 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 throwing knickers and bras at me and all sorts. It was incredible. No, oh, brilliant. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's class, that. So, uh, if you're willing to, mate, a one to thirteen that you played with, that if you, if like I said, if you're willing to, yeah, I am, mate. I am. I, 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 I've written it down. It's difficult actually because I play with some. I, I tried to pick the ones that I've probably played with the most. Because um, I suppose you look at that team that I played it with Leeds. I didn't really, you know, I, I played eleven games at Leeds, and but there was some incredible players. But I think I tried to pick the ones that. You know, I played with the most, and um, start with fullback with Steve Prescott. Um, yeah, he was next next level in the, in the prime when I went to Hull as well. He was like unbelievable. Uh, number two, Colin Best. Um, Best, he was an unbelievable player. Got us out of so much trouble, out of backfield, rapid, natural finisher. Um, yeah, he was he was next level. Uh, Three, Kurt Yeeman. Yemo was unbelievably attacking-wise, defensively. Um, yeah, just an out-and-out athlete. Great, great. Played for Great Britain as well. Um, the other centre, Richie Barnett, um, New Zealand international. He was, unfortunately, had that chronic fatigue syndrome. But honestly, on his day, mate, you've never never seen anything like it. What, what a player. Um, uh, other winger Gazrena. Gazrena was, yeah, outstanding, outstanding winger, just strong, out and out finisher, um, ultimate competitor. Probably, probably too much at some sometimes. You know, he'd want to be the best at everything. Um, six and seven was was difficult actually. Um, so I wanted to put Richard Orn in there, but 
I played a lot. I played a lot of academy rugby with with Danny Maguire and Rob Burrow. So I think I think I'd have to put Danny Mags and Rob Burrow in there just just with what they did and and you know got to play some good rugby with them. Uh, but Richard Orn, Richard Orn would be would be there and thereabouts as well. And then the path. So um, I'd have Barry McDermott. Um, so Baz was someone that yeah I looked up to massively when I was at Leeds and I made my full debut with Baz at, at, at Hull so me and him started against Hull at the Boulevard which was yeah. which was amazing and we ended up ended up turning over Hull actually um, with a Danny Ward drop goal to make it 6-1 yeah. <laughs> believe it or not madness um, but it was the catalyst we all we kicked on uh, Richard Swain at nine Swain he was you know one of the best captains I've been under yeah one of the best players I've, I've played as well at Hull um, yeah, Gaz Carvel at ten, big Gaz, good good mate of mine, but yeah, incredible career Gaz with with Warrington and and Hull, um, and then second rowers Willie Manu, Willie was just yeah outstanding class player, um, Stephen Kearney at twelve, uh, yeah, big big Stevie, he, he was integral in I suppose our Challenge Cup win as well, you know he. You know, he kicked on to be an NRL coach after that, but he, he did a lot of coaching and very, very good on the mental side and getting getting us up alongside John. You know, he was he was he was a big part of that. And then um loose forward Jason Smith, I put him at, at loose, uh, but he could slot in at six easily. Uh yeah, Smithy was um probably a, one of those generational players that played state of origin, but um Loved a drink and a smoke, but he was one of those players that has one or two seconds more than everyone else. He just saw everything quicker than everyone. And it's like, he, I don't know, it's hard to describe it. He just had a, an eternity on the ball. Um, but that's what top class players do, don't they? You've been listening to Trot the Egging. Thanks to our sponsors, Bardell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Egging and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in.